0: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shab LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space, so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro.
1: Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Okay. Today, we're going to hear from an expert in the paid social advertising space. Timothy Brown is the paid customer acquisition lead at Huckberry, an online magazine and men's fashion retailer. Huckberry has gone from a bootstrap startup to become an innovator in the digital commerce space. In this episode, Tim is going to walk us through some of the analysis and advertising strategies that he implements to promote the Huckberry brand. Here's our interview with Timothy Brown from Huckberry. Tim, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Of course. So let's start off. Tell us a little bit about what your company does and what's your role.
2: So Huckberry is a e-commerce retailer that sells men's apparel and outdoor gear. We sort of describe ourselves as part blog, part magazine, so we sell a lot of things that are geared towards the outdoor lifestyle sort of segment, and our primary market is men, but we do carry some women's stuff. So tell me a little bit about your role at Huckberry. I've been here about two and a half years, and when I came in, I was the first paid marketing hire coming onto the team. And the goal for me was to really sort of prove out that paid marketing and paid acquisition could be a profitable channel for the company. So I came in doing a little bit of Facebook marketing, a little bit of Google, but we found really quickly that Facebook was a big opportunity. It had a lot of sort of low-hanging fruit, so we sort of doubled down there, and that's where I spent a lot of my time. And over the past two and a half years, we started to build a team underneath me. So now I'm overseeing all the performance marketing channels. So everything from Facebook and Instagram to Google search, shopping and display. I oversee a little bit of the catalog stuff that we do more so on the logistics and distribution side, as well as the affiliate marketing program that we run here.
1: What were the marketing channels before you arrived? How was the company driving growth?
2: So the company for four years prior to me coming here really built its name on the affiliate marketing program, which is, if you're unfamiliar, affiliate marketing is you know, essentially work with publishers and small blogs in our space. So we work with everybody from Outside Magazine all the way to Condé Nast, GQ, some of the bigger publishers in the space. But four or five years ago, when Huckberry was just starting, they had an ambassador program where they would work with influencers in the space, trying to find anybody that was fitting to the outdoor lifestyle brand and just trying to work with them, do collaborations, get photos, send them gear, really get them to put the name out. And this is sort of when influencer marketing was really starting to take off. And we were sort of at the forefront of that. And we moved into the affiliate game where we work with a publisher they will review or post products on their site or on their blog. And when somebody clicks through, if they make a sale within a certain amount of time, that publisher gets a commission off of that. So we started working with small blogs, sort of owning the space of the outdoor lifestyle market, and uh, eventually started moving into other verticals like fashion, everyday carry. and, And more recently, we've been doing a lot more home products. So working with affiliates like Dwell and Apartment Therapy.
1: How do you think about what the company's brand is, and how does that impact what you're doing on the digital advertising side?
2: Our core mission at Huckberry is to inspire and equip more active, adventurous, and stylish lives. And we do that in a number of different ways. So we do that through content. We do that through not just pushing product at people. Um, Every product that goes on the site is very curated. A lot of different people at the company will test these products before they ever go up on the site. When our editorial team and our buying team is positioning these products, they think about how the Huckberry customer would use this in their everyday life and just sort of how it fits naturally. We don't want to sell you something that you don't need or that you don't want, but we do want to inspire people to take action. Our core market, the way we describe it, is people that live in the city but live for the outdoors. So we try to use that in every aspect of the company. So when we're doing discovery for new products, those are the types of products that we're looking for for that type of person. That translates into every piece of our marketing funnel. So when we're doing high-level brand campaigns, it's usually more aspirational, inspirational. We're trying to introduce people to the brand and let them know that we are a place for discovery and a place that they can come and find new products, cool products, exciting products that would fit naturally into their everyday lives. And then when it gets down to like lower file stuff, We can target people who we know are interested in certain products, certain categories, maybe bought a certain product on our site, and we know that that's sort of the category that they live in and that they're looking for from us, and we can start to show them new and exciting products within that same category.
1: So you're describing to us a little bit of the merchandising strategy and that the company is sort of very focused on product curation. It seems like you have a wide breadth of products, and obviously quality is very important, How do you think about customer segmentation?
2: Sure, so we actually segment on a lot of different variables. We try to build personas based on the different verticals that we sell. There is sort of the tactical guy that has maybe a military background and they buy a lot of everyday carry. They buy pocket knives and flashlights and that type of product. Whereas the home person is maybe a little less tactical and they're a little more homebody. Maybe they're a little more stylish. They're kind of like the GQ guy. And one thing we found that was interesting was there was a lot of overlap when we first started running these analysis a few years ago. And as we've gotten bigger, as we've done a little more acquisition outside of our core customer, we've found that there are sort of quintessential products that the outdoor guy will purchase versus the everyday carry. And then there's the different products that are sort of fitting for almost any category.
1: How do you go about conducting that type of analysis?
2: So what we did is we started looking at everybody that activated on a specific category. So we looked at everybody that activated on footwear and everybody that activated on everyday carry versus outdoor and home, and we looked at what is the next category that they purchased. So setting it up was pretty simple, but the takeaways were pretty big. So what we found was somebody that activates on footwear, there's a 50% chance that they're going to buy footwear again on their second order. And the same held true for almost every single category. The reasoning behind that, we don't know exactly, but a couple things we've thrown around is, if you come to Huckberry and buy a pair of boots and you get them and they fit and everything goes well, the next time you're looking for a pair of boots, your first instinct is to look back to where you bought your last pair of boots. But if you didn't buy a tent from us and you bought boots, you're not gonna think instinctively to come for us for outdoor. It's not where your mindset is for the company. So Mm -hmm. that leads us to a whole slew of different strategies that we can implement across the board. Now we can start to say, okay, if somebody activated on footwear and they haven't purchased again within two to three months, we can start to show them footwear ads on Facebook. We can start to put footwear at the top of the emails that they receive we can start to sort of guide them or show them content towards that specific category. This has implications for personalization on the website. If we ever get to that point, we can start to rearrange products on the site to where recommended products for you are more footwear geared. What we also found was a little even more interesting was over time, it didn't even matter what category you purchased from, by your fifth purchase, everybody was skewed heavily towards clothing. So it felt like over time people were starting to buy more staples on the website, which is great because there's probably better margin there, and, but it leads us to believe that we can use some of these other categories and sort of unique products from footwear or from our outdoor category, we can use those for acquisition and get people sort of ingrained in the Huckberry lifecycle and then over time shift them to the staples that we'll naturally carry more of, which is clothing.
1: That's interesting. So obviously e-commerce, clothing, it's a crowded space. There's a variety of other sort of verticalized men's fashion. You know, there's chubbies for shorts and there's the Harry Mari, I think, for flip-flops. And there's these brands that are coming up that are really picking off specific products. And Huckberry tends to be very broad and have a collection of outstanding products, but they're pretty diverse. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutnex. How do you think about differentiation within the men's fashion space?
2: Differentiation is key for any business in general, right? Not just e-commerce, but specifically for us. You bring up Hari or Patagonia or REI, we do have to compete with some of these guys. But more importantly, we are competing with Amazon, as is every retailer. So a couple of differentiators that we have as a brand... By nature, we are storytellers. So if you were to ever receive our email or or look at the products on the site, one thing we do really well is we tell the stories of these brands. We do not just push product at people. A lot of newsletters that I follow from other e-commerce companies or even websites, including Amazon, when you go there, it's very fact-based information that you receive. And it's not really telling you the story. It's not telling you how this fits in your life or why you would actually need this particular product. So that's one thing that we do really well the other sort of big differentiators for us is going to be anything that we can do to be exclusive or have some sort of better deal. So our buying team is working on negotiations for some sort of window to have a discount on a particular product. We collaborate with brands to create exclusive colorways or exclusive products that you can't find anywhere else, and that's how we can sort of outrun Amazon where They will have almost every product we sell at a certain point. But if we can get it first, then we become the exclusive online retailer. We work with brands that are outside of the US and we try to bring them into the US and become the exclusive US retailer. The other thing is just exclusive in terms of private label. This is something that I think a lot of other retailers are moving into. Target's been doing this for a long time. They have designers that develop clothing for them, and they have exclusive clothes. So we're sort of moving into that private label space where, sure, you can get 80% of the products on our site, but 20% of them are exclusive to us. And if that proves out to be a successful strategy, it could very well be an easy strategy to shift towards in the future.
1: Let's shift the conversation a little bit because we're talking very much about sort of the high-level Huckberry brand, and you're a customer acquisition expert. Tell me a little bit about what the strategy is for acquiring customers using paid channel at Huckberry.
2: At a high level, the strategy is to develop a channel into a profitable acquisition machine. What I mean by that is essentially using some sort of data model that proves out that we can acquire customers profitably. And the way we do that is we essentially look at our return on this ad spend over a certain amount of time and make sure that we're returning enough money to not only cover the spend of the ad, but actually the other costs that are required with every sale. So the strategy is using content product, and a lot of inspirational photos and great content that we put out to get people in the front door and ultimately to convert them as fast as possible. That's the goal for almost any e-commerce company.
1: Of course. So. You mentioned that, hey, you focus very much on the unit economics of an ad and you're measuring your ROI almost in real time. How long are you waiting to evaluate whether a campaign is successful? And tell me about the types of ads and what you've learned about the difference between your product listing ads, your content ads, you know, how do you promote your organic feed?
2: There's so many pieces of actual ads that we use. So We can start from the beginning and just sort of run through the process of how we evaluate success and how we determine early success. If we were to launch an ad on Facebook, what we would do is we would want to A/B test a few different images. What we found is that images is one of the biggest determinants of success. If you find the right image, it's more important than the copy because the image itself has what we call thumb-stopping power as somebody's scrolling through their feed quickly on their phone. If we can find an image that gets you to stop and take a second look and scroll backwards, that's extremely valuable. The copy and the call to action on there needs to be relevant and entice the click even further, but the image is what we found to be the most important factor. So. When we're creating a campaign for any particular product, what we'll do is we'll decide on a few different audiences to test, and we do a mix of interest-based audiences. We've tested geotargeting, and we use lookalikes and retargeting as well. So we'll use these audiences, and we'll test maybe four or five different images, and we'll just let it run for 24 to 48 hours. And the very first indicator is click-through rate. right? If people aren't clicking through, we know that there's something wrong. People aren't stopping, they're not clicking through, we're not creating demand, we're not finding the right people, or it's the wrong imagery, or just something is wrong with the ad itself. We typically see 1.5% click through rate is pretty decent. Anything over two is really solid, and anything under 1% is something that we'll look at heavily. So that's sort of the first determinant. And then we will call out the images that are underperforming. If there's something with a 0.5% click through rate, we will call it as fast as possible. Then we start looking at which particular ad sets the audiences are working. Which ones have the highest click rate? Did we get any orders? Do we have any revenue from this? Are we collecting email signups? The email signup is interesting for us because we know that we convert a heavy amount of email signups through our newsletter. So if we're not making the immediate return on ad spend that we expect from a campaign, If it's still collecting emails pretty cheaply, we'll still run with it as long as we look on the back end and see that those folks are converting within a few weeks.
1: So essentially, the vast majority of what you're doing is image-driven. What's the balance of promoting content as opposed to promoting products?
2: When I first started, we only promoted products. And to this day, it's still heavily, heavily product performance-based marketing. But we are shifting into more content-focused and more high-level brand-focused advertising. So we still do a lot of product-focused ads to try and drive acquisition, but we use content heavily as a big retention strategy. So once we have you on our email list, or once we have you as a customer, what we'll do is for a few weeks, we'll show you our organic feed, we'll boost cool images or the journal, which is our blog, we'll boost content to you and just try and keep you engaged in between sales. because We know that people don't buy every day. A lot of people don't even buy every quarter. So what we try to do is just keep people engaged in between big sell cycles. And then when we have a big product launch, or a big sale, or some sort of big opportunity that we really want to chase after, that's when we start to use those retention audiences to push product at them. And we started to take that same concept, not just within retention, but we're trying to sort of implement that across the board. That way, by the time somebody sees a product ad from Huckberry on Facebook, for say, it's not the first time they've ever heard about us.
1: So essentially, you're using your content to pre-market products to build a brand impression. And then when you have essentially a event that you want heavy promotion for, you've already sort of warmed the
2: customer up. Right. And that allows us to see sort of what type of content, what type of products or categories they'd be interested in. If we show six pieces of content, each one that's focused on a different category or vertical that we carry, and we see the same person always clicking into the everyday carry type of content. We can then start to think about, okay, great, let's segment this guy out. He falls into a specific bucket that we can then put him into a flow where we're showing content. We're trying to get him on our Facebook page. We're trying to get these sort of micro buy-ins, right? Just read our blog. Just like us on Facebook. Just follow our email, right? Sign up for the newsletter. Then eventually, as we nurture them, we can eventually convert them into a customer.
1: So talk to me about your bidding strategy, because I understand the philosophy behind marketing to someone without asking them to buy the physical product. I'm curious to know how you think about investing in building those customer relationships and how do you evaluate them prior to showing the product promotion ads, which is really your revenue hammer?
2: I feel like a lot of that is going to come down to retargeting. So We will do giant acquisition audiences, we'll find big interest-based audiences, we'll find big lookalikes, and you can make lookalikes based on anything you want. So we can make a lookalike based on every single person that hit a particular boot page, which we do constantly, it's like one of our main strategies. We can also just make a lookalike based on anybody that's read a certain piece of content that we have. So, if we have an article that's all about minimalist wallets, we can make a lookalike based on everybody that's read that article, cast the wide net, see if other people are interested in that article, see if we can drive a click. And if they do, then we can start to sort of retarget them with uh, different content that's either relevant or try to test other categories to see if they're interested in other verticals. And if not, then we can start to show them the products that were maybe featured in that article. So there's a couple different ways that we produce content and we distribute it. So some of the content that we have is inspirational, people hiking or doing sort of these really cool, unique adventures. And there's usually some sort of product in it. It's never the focus. Uh, The focus is sort of the activity or the events that's going on. So if somebody's reading all of our travel articles or all of our articles about how to clean your leather boots, well, we know that that type of person is different than the guy watching videos that are about boot camp or something.
1: My guess is that you're running a bunch of different ad groups, like a ton of them at a time. Am I right? And if so, how do you keep track of all of that?
2: You're absolutely right. And... How do we keep track of it is a challenge. That's one of the biggest challenges we've been facing, actually, over the past couple months. So I personally was running all of our Facebook ads for about two years. And late last year, we actually hired somebody to come in and take over Facebook specifically to do just that. So they spend, call it 80% of their time in the ads manager. And we're still, I think, at a place where we do everything manually, and I'm not sure that we're in a place where we would need an automated tool, but we've come up with a couple ideas. If we could find a tool that would automate some of these things, would make our lives easier. And Facebook does have some of the automation that we would want out of a specific tool or an agency, and it's really more about the tiny optimization. running a lot of different ad sets is difficult only because you have to go in and find which ones are working and you have to go in and call out images and you have to go check comments on these ads and you got to make sure that they're performing the way they should be overall but also diving really granular and seeing is there an opportunity to call out a specific age group or is women performing better than men on this particular ad group? And if so, why? And how do we take advantage of that? So it's a lot of tiny, tiny tweaks. And that's sort of like who you want running a digital channel is somebody that sort of nerds out on making these tiny optimizations and seeing how it affects the larger picture.
1: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Timothy Brown for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish later this week, Tim is going to talk us through what it takes to launch, evaluate, and scale a successful social advertising campaign. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Huckberry, you can go to huckberry.com. If you'd like to read the transcript of this podcast, we've published it on our website, martechpod.com. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you. We want you to feel like a member of our community, so if you have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, feel free to reach out to me directly at podcast at com or on LinkedIn or Twitter. Our handle is at llc. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our episode with Timothy Brown from Huckberry, we've got some great episodes lined up for you in the next few weeks. So if you're interested in learning about product search ads, growth hacking, and B2B marketing, hit that subscribe button in your podcast feed. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.